0: Welcome to Canusa Street, a podcast at the intersection of the issues and policies between Canada and the United States. Here are your hosts, Scotty Greenwood and Chris Sands. Well, welcome back to Canusa Street, everybody. You know, we've been talking about Canada, U.S. issues in each episode, uh, of our new podcast. And one of the issues that actually is requiring three pods in order for us to unpack is softwood lumber. It's been around that long. And we had a great conversation with Senator Lott. We had a great, a great conversation with the British Columbia Forestry Ministry, Mike DeJong, and you know, we want to put it all in perspective today. We want to talk to um, the home builders, but before we do that, Chris, let's let's talk a little bit about why should anybody care? Anybody who's not a trade lawyer or a candidate U.S. nerd, what what is it about this trade dispute that is that is relevant to to real people?
1: Well, Scotty, I think especially in the pandemic, it really comes down to the price of houses and softwood lumber. One of the biggest uses for softwood lumber in North America is home building, whether that's a new home, a second home or a renovation on the home you have. And with everyone being under quarantine for so long this last 12 months and plus now getting even longer, I think a lot of people have been looking at the four walls and thinking they need to make a change. and then they run into the market problem of really expensive options. Nothing looks cheap on the housing market, whether it's fixing up your house or or finding a new one. And I think that's left a lot of people frustrated.
0: Yeah. And how much of the prices, and we'll ask Jerry this question too, but from from your point of view, uh, how much of the price spike that we're seeing currently is attributable to trade policy and how much of it is other things? Or like, why, why is it? What's going on?
1: Well, well, it can be hard to disaggregate this, but we have seen commodity prices going up across the board for things like copper and other, and other raw materials. And that's a sign that we're coming out of a period of, of economic downturn. Everybody wants to get a stockpile of raw materials, start building things and moving forward. In that sense, it's not a surprise that you're seeing uh, lumber prices go up and, and demand is going up too. Where, where the softwood lumber trade dispute comes in is that the United States is well positioned right next to a, a major supplier of softwood lumber not only to the United States, but to the rest of the world, uh, Canada has plenty of trees and has a great industry. And I think for the person on the street who doesn't follow trade policy right now, it seems that help is right across the border. Why don't we stop harassing the Canadians over, over their softwood lumber prices and take cheap lumber and, uh, and get, get the renovation costs down and get the new home cost down here in the United States?
0: Yeah, I can see that frustration. Well, listen, in order to, uh, to to unpack this even a little bit more, we're excited to have uh, really an expert uh, on on lumber in general as a commodity. So Chris, maybe you could introduce our guest.
1: Sure. Our, our guest is Gerald Jerry Howard, who is the CEO of the National Association of Home Builders here in the United States. And he's had more than 25 years of association experience. Uh, before he was at the association, he was a builder himself. Um, and also uh, has worked with the National Association of Realtors so he knows not only the building but the selling side of the home market. Um, He's he's uh, pr- pretty well known in washington because he's seen several of these trade these trade disputes over lumber in his career his home state is south carolina one of the states that does produce um produce softwood and uh, and he went to school i believe uh at the same place that you did at one point scotty at the uh, the university of vermont um, so, he's uh, he's been in the North, he's been in the South, he has been in this industry and he's been around Washington for a long time and became the CEO at the National Association of Home Builders in 2001. So that's uh, 20 years of experience just at the Home Builders Association. It's impressive.
0: Yeah, that's right, and I'm excited to uh, to hear his views on this issue, and and maybe he's had some conversations with not only American policymakers but Canadians one, Canadian ones too. So, uh, let's get right to it. Okay, welcome, welcome.
2: Thank you for having me.
0: We want to talk about good old softwood lumber. And and one of the reasons we want to talk to you, Jerry, is we had, Chris and I had a really interesting conversation with Trent Lott um, in a previous episode of Canusa Street. We then talked to the Canadian, uh, British Columbia Forestry Minister at the time, Mike DeJong. And so we feel like we've gotten official perspectives, if you will, on this long running trade dispute. But we were hoping to talk to you um, to really bring it home and make it real and can you talk to us a little bit about do these trade disputes and this one in particular doesn't matter to the average American the average Canadian? I know you've got members on both sides of the border so can you can you kind of make it real for us or we you know are we just
2: when you say the average American no, it probably doesn't matter all that much, but to the American home buyer uh, who's right now being hit with incredibly high prices, it matters a great deal.
0: Okay. Well, and how is it? So talk to me a little bit about how a trade dispute between the U.S. and Canada affects home prices in the United States. Like, just break it down for us, for people that are not experts in it.
2: Sure. Well, um, lumber is the largest single commodity that's used in the construction of a house. And uh, lumber is the second highest cost next to labor uh, in the construction of a house. So what the American home builder needs in order to be able to uh, to, to provide affordable housing um, is a steady, consistent supply of quality lumber. Um, that supply comes significantly from the United States, from within our own borders, uh, roughly 70 percent, but 30 percent of it has traditionally come from Canada. Uh, and the Canadian lumber, uh, particularly Canadian softwood, is the preferred lumber for or softwood grown in the northern parts of the country, either our own Pacific Northwest or the Canadian provinces um, is is the preferred lumber. And when we don't have a a consistent steady supply of it, it impacts building one way or another.
0: So not having a consistent supply, we know Canadians want to uh, provide lumber to the US. The US is an important market to Canada. Um, Is there, do we have a holdup right now? Like, what's what's going on? What, Trent Lott talked to us a little bit about um, he's not getting good prices for timber, so he's holding on to timber. So as high as lumber prices are, what, what he, you know, Trent Lott, Senator Lott's got his own property there, um, he's holding on to it until the prices are better for the kind of the commodity. So how does that work?
2: Well, if Senator Lott isn't getting good pricing right now, I'm awful surprised. I mean, prices for lumber... Are at an all-time high. If if the if the the mills aren't paying him as a timber grower, that that tells you what the crux of the problem is. Uh, the mills are trying to pay as little as they can for the the timber, which is not unreasonable. That's what you always try and do: buy low and sell high. Um, but at the mean, at the same time, prices for finished lumber have gone up to over fourteen hundred dollars per thousand board feet. Now they've come down some, but Uh, The the, the lack of output by the American sawmills has led to an incredible um, increase in prices. I think that the fact that there is no long-term agreement right now with Canada has added another questionable variable in that certainly hasn't helped at all. Uh, And what you have now is the American consumer uh, paying $36,000 a year more for a house that they would have paid $36,000 less for a year ago. And that is sort of uh, the antithesis, at least of what the Biden administration is saying, is one of their primary concerns and that's affordable housing uh, here in the United States. So we've got a real policy problem and I think we need to get everybody at the table to address it.
0: So um, Jerry, I think you you answered this um, a little bit, but I'm just gonna ask it to make sure, how much of the cost of a new home comes from lumber and how does that compare to the costs uh you said the, the second largest cost i think was labor but what about other materials how does it how does
2: it break the, labor is the largest cost oh and, labor's number and, one okay l- lumber is second other materials and regulatory costs are are third and fourth regulatory costs are um in some places as much as 50 percent Uh, of a house that would be like in places like San Diego County, California, but the average is about 25%. So lumber is a significant component in the uh, in the cost of an American house.
0: Could you talk to us a little bit about the sector uh, in home building? We know there are some big names that everybody recognizes, but is the home building sector made of mostly of big players, or do you also have small and local firms?
2: Oh, oh no, 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 no! Quite the contrary. Um, the home building sector is largely uh, small, family-owned, multi-generational businesses. In fact, it's roughly seventy percent, thirty percent. So the large, publicly traded uh, national corporations are only responsible for about 30% of the market. The
1: rest is small businesses. Jerry, does that mean that for those small businesses, things like costs uh, of lumber, that it would be hard to ride out a price spike in lumber because you couldn't just defer it because you're a big corporation and you kind of kind of move in the market. It hits you right away.
2: That's exactly right. In fact, we have members who are, are right now starting to feel that they're getting into financial trouble And getting into financial trouble when the market is as hot as it is, is only one thing, and that's the cost of materials.
1: Wow. And does that usually show up? I'm sure with some people, it just means they delay the project until the homeowner or the buyer can afford to pay for everything. But do you just have to keep busy as a builder? Because if you're not building, you're not earning. And so you got to work with lumber at whatever price it is.
2: Well, the the builders are trying a lot of different approaches to to address this Um, escalator clauses in the contracts, but those are very unpopular with consumers. Uh, Any one of us that wants to sign a contract to have a home built wants to know what it's going to cost before we go to our bank. And if the builder tells us my lumber package may go up by 400%, um, that's that's distracting and uh, has caused a lot of sales to close. I've actually heard of builders taking their earnest money, the deposit money, and giving it back to a customer saying, I can't build you the house that I sold you. I'm sorry. Here's your money back. This is the first time in my career that I've wow. done anything like that. Now, in some places in the South, you have builders laying down the foundations because they don't dig. They, it's concrete slab and then stopping the production until they have to go forward. Um, so even, you know, monitoring uh, building permits uh, is not really uh, a fair way to judge the impact this is having. You've got to look at starts and you've got to look at ultimately closings and certificates of occupancy.
1: And when you're thinking about this, I, I know we're thinking because of the pandemic of doing some home renovations, we're just sick of our house and we've been in it too long and uh, think we might be able to do some things. but. How does renovation, rebuild, put an addition on the back of the house market compare to new home building? Do they play off each other? Uh, I know labor has to affect the cost of both.
2: Yeah, lumber does affect the cost of both. They do play off of each other. When home prices get uh, increased too quickly, too uh, too regularly, Um, it puts a lot of people out of the market for a house. And so a lot of those people will decide, hey, we're not gonna move, we're gonna renovate, we're gonna remodel, we'll put on an addition. So you're seeing that here now, um, the remodeling industry is doing just as well as the, the housing sector, the, the new construction sector rather. Um, and we are uh, still many, many units short of what we need in this country to go, but people might not be able to buy them because of uncertainty in the prices. So it might be easier to add a room uh, in the, in the, in, you know, to the back of your house, absolutely.
1: Very interesting. So so if those two market segments are the same people, when you talk about some of the small businesses that are in the home building sector, did they just go and do renovation work because they want work if it turns out they can't do new builds? I'm sure the profit margins must be different.
2: Absolutely. Most small home builders have done and will do remodeling renovation at one point or another in their career
1: oh, over to you Scotty
0: so Jerry for for those of us that uh, aren't in Washington DC which has truly an association for everything and the National Association of Home Builders is, is a big one but t- talk to us a little bit who are who are members of the National Association of Home Builders um, is it just people who build new houses like is it renovators like who who are your members tell us a little bit about the organization
2: to put it into context roughly 85% of all the housing units built in the United States, single and multifamily are built by our members. So we represent the entire spectrum of the new construction building, uh, the new construction component. Uh, At the same time, we have a very large subset within our membership who are remodelers as well. So we have single family builders, we have remodelers, uh, then we have all the suppliers to the industry. Um, the people who, uh, you know, give us the the products that we need to build the homes. So all together we have about 130,000 member firms, and that equates to about 9 million employees nationwide. Uh, so we are one of the larger associations uh, wow. in the United States.
0: That's amazing. And you have members in Canada as well, right?
2: Yes, we do. And Canada has its own uh, Home Builders Association as well, with which we work very closely.
0: How, like, when you think about the high cost of of homes right now, how much of that is due to things like the softwood lumber dispute, and how much of it is due to other things?
2: Well, I, I, I think the high cost of housing right now is in, in large part due, as I said, to lumber prices in general. Uh, Thirty six thousand dollars over what it would have cost for the same house a year ago. However, to say that that's all part of the the, the lumber dispute, I think, would be an exaggeration. The the lumber dispute, obviously, is a factor in the cost of lumber. Um, It's a factor in the cost of our members being able to uh, put their business models in place and do strategic planning, because we just don't know what's going to happen with that. Um, It is a very important. We have always been on the side of Canada in this uh, debate. Uh, and we continue to uh, to be there, uh, we hope, although we are hearing, uh, and I mentioned this last week to some Canadian government officials, uh, we're hearing that it's not as urgent a um, an issue for Canada this time around, because the Canadian lumber industry is doing just fine uh, with the situation as it is. That's disturbing to us, but uh, that's what we're hearing on the street here.
0: Oh, that's interesting. Um We'll have to look into that more, Chris.
1: (laughs) Yes, we will. I was just going to ask a little bit, just because I live in the world of all these policy debates, uh, but a lot of times Canadians or even in the U.S., people will say to you that if the home builders weigh in, that would really make a difference in this trade dispute. But sometimes it feels like trade disputes are a level of the arcane, like they're out there and there's just not a feeling that companies will get engaged they're just going to deal with their reality how do you relate to the software lumber dispute Um, you see the effects but there are a lot of things affecting commodity markets now and and we're seeing high prices for a lot of things do you see getting involved in this long-running lumber dispute as something that the home builders would really invest some of their lobbying muscle in? Or do you just try to focus on helping members to get through this rough patch? Uh,
2: we, we do both, and we will do both. Um, this is my third time around. In other words, I've been in HP long enough that I've seen our uh, softwood lumber agreement expire. This is the third time, uh, and we put our full political weight behind it uh, to the point where We do amicus briefs in the international courts. Uh, We uh, throw a lot of our muscle around Capitol Hill uh, and inside whatever the administration at the time is. Um, In fact, oftentimes, we've been more aggressive than uh, the Canadian government has been. Uh, And in fact, a lot of times the Canadian government, for uh, reasons that they best understand, has settled when we thought we had the upper hand and we might do better. Um, but we're going to be in this, um, to the end. Uh, we may ultimately, again, not totally agree with what the Canadian government does, but in but in the end, I do believe that it'll be best for all parties. If we have a long term sustainable agreement with Canada on the importation of lumber, just
0: solve it once and for all this, this, you know, every five years having to re- fight, fight yes. again. We for, agree. For, yeah.
1: Well, the lawyers do make a lot of money on it. i've noticed
0: <laughs> well, listen, I, I want to say thank you so much jerry it's a pleasure pleasure getting to know you. Thank you for joining us and um, and we look forward to uh, hopefully ending this dispute and being able to talk to you about something else. Thank you. Well, Chris, this has been fun. I never thought we would do three podcasts on the same topic, but I think, uh, I think we could probably do 30 more and still have more to say on softwood lumber. But uh, I, I, I love starting with Senator Lott of Mississippi and, and, and going right up to British Columbia with Mike DeJong and then, and then wrapping it all up with somebody who really is actually an American, but kind of on the Canadian side, we heard of this trade dispute. So I enjoyed the conversation with Jerry too.
1: Well, and I think that's one of the things I, I love about doing Canada-US relations topics. There are so many layers and wrinkles, and there's so much history that goes behind these disputes. And uh, a lot of times people say, well, you know, the US and Canada, they're so similar, they get along really well. But once you get into these disputes, they're not not—they're not about who likes who, whether, you know, Donald Trump likes Justin Trudeau or any of the personalities. It's really about hard issues. And when you get into them, they're rich, they're interesting, and they tell you a lot about two economies that are very close but not fully integrated and our differences can still lead to to real wrestling matches
0: well that's exactly right so we we have a lot more issues to cover on canusa street and we would also welcome our friends who are listening in to uh shoot us an email or a text find us on the interweb and tell us what topics you'd like us to cover what big burning canada u.s issues there are uh and and until next time chris it's it's good to be with you
1: it's great to be with you scotty